Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Brian Peacock here alongside Matt Williamson, as always. Happy Monday to you. A lot of optimism in the air, Matt. I think that is the theme for today's show. We're seeing training camp practices ramping up, 11-on-11s, full speed practices. The pads are coming on this week, and everyone's excited about their football team. COVID positive tests are low, and it looks like this season is at least, you know, what, three, four weeks before it kicks off. Look, good vibes right now. Like this thing is is kind of humming. Yeah, uh, very much so. I mean, we're two weeks basically. The mini camp portion, the acclimation portion, the notepad portion is behind us. We're going to start here in football stuff. I, I don't like this part, but we're going to start hearing about injuries and things we haven't heard about in a long time. I mean, football stuff. And this guy's looking good. And this guy's moving up the depth chart. And who's going to be the starting quarterback in Chicago? And I think we're going to get a lot of those kind of reports starting this week and soon as possible. You mentioned it. The COVID um, positive tests are very, very low. That's great. Um, we have a game coming up not too long from now. We'll actually be you know, watching real live football, which is, blows me away. And I think one of the most positive things, and we'll get to the this particular signing, is a lot of teams are re-signing, extending, giving big yeah. money to absolute core players. And I think that's very encouraging. Financial confidence is a fantastic yeah. sign for the league. The latest is Kenny Clark. He's got a four-year contract worth $70 million, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL, and there is a ton of good interior defensive linemen in the NFL right now. He really And he's one of the most underrated. He's one of the better ones. Uh, he's not in that class to me right behind Aaron Donald. Like when I did my D-tackle rankings, it was Aaron Donald, a little group of five or six or whatever. And then he'd have been, actually, I didn't do the tackle records if I would have. And he'd have been right behind those guys, but an ascending, really good player. And when I think about Kenny Clark, I kind of think of him as the modern day nose tackle. Like, he doesn't look like Vince Wilfork or Casey Hampton or Ted Washington. I mean, he's not just a huge blob in the middle that you can't move, (laughs) but he can still hold his own for today's NFL and handle a double team. And provides an interior push. And uh, I mean, I think what how we'll define nose tackles going forward is going to be a little different. And he's kind of that prototype to me. You have to be able to give a, a little bit of a, you have to be able to shoot a gap a little bit. You can't just be 350 yeah. pounds. And Kenny Clark's not small. He's what, 310 pounds, probably something no, like that. No, he's powerful. And uh, he's a big, strong guy. So he's that that nose tackle. But like you have to be able to, to get in the backfield a little bit, knife through, make some plays. You can't be just that big area blocker Thanks inside and there, there's still a few of those around but not nearly as many as there used to be how is Kenny Clark still only 24 years old too yeah that's a good point I didn't realize he was that young I knew he came in the league young what a great draft pick I mean I remember he went the end of the first round and people were kind of like yeah it's kind of early but you take those guys that are a year younger than everybody else invest in them now while they haven't even hit their peak that's a lot of really good football years you got out you got out of them at a cheap price and you should continue to get out of them at, you know, obviously an expense, a more uh, a higher cost. But he's your core defensive lineman right now. He'll be 25 in October. So just about to turn 25. But I feel like he's been in the league for 10 years already. Yeah. And he's really good. And again, keeps getting better. Speaking of optimism, the comeback for Alex Smith is nearing completion. 
and this is confirmed by numerous sources, and even the uh, the Washington football team now has confirmed it, coming off of the pup list activated Alex Smith. Wow, uh, it's really coming close. He's going to try to play some football. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, do you think I'm off base to think that he's in the mix for the starting job? He has to be. If he's cleared right. to play, he's definitely going to have more going on uh, upstairs than any of the quarterbacks on the roster, right? I mean, he hasn't had reps recently and physically. I don't know if he'll be there, but he's going to know the offense better than anybody. He's going to be able to be that veteran player, whether it's a backup or, uh, you know, at least be able to push, I think, Dwayne Haskins. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if, you know, mentally he's more ready to play right now. It's just the physical side of things. Is he going to be there with that? Yeah, exactly. And, I'm kind of rooting for Haskins because his village that's raised the quarterback has been on fire pretty much since the beginning. So I feel for those guys and I hope for his development that he wins the job outright and Smith acts as a great number two slash mentor for him. I think that's what Redskins, well, not Redskins. They don't exist anymore. Uh, Washington fans (laughs) should be, be hoping for, you know, but I don't, I wouldn't take it as, a negative if by chance Alex Smith is the opening day starter because he's way, like you said, all, you know, he's very advanced. He's played a lot of football, not lately. Um, but I also think it's interesting that they did give up a fifth round pick for Allen, which I know doesn't seem like much, but they bring him over from Carolina and apparently the organization liked them and Rivera liked them. The Redskins might not. I keep calling the. I'm going to call them the Redskins forever, and I give up from trying to change it. <laughs> but I'm sure they don't look so bad at, at quarterback now. They have three viable options at least, and one of them has a lot of upside, and one of them has played really well in this league at one point. Have you seen their new helmets that they're wearing at training camp? I kind of like them. They're almost like Alabama, oh, just very simple red, and it has the yellow number on the side. My son saw them and hated them. I have not seen them yet, but I will check them out before we get together again. I have no problem with it. I like the simplicity of it. And if they're going to go with the football team theme, just make it blank. It's like a Madden creative team. I like the old school Bama ones, like the Derek Thomas Bama helmets. I'm into it. I, I like the the minimalist, the simplicity with some uh, with some uniforms. I'm, I'm all for it, and I have no idea what it's going to end up looking like, if they'll have that changed by the time the season kicks off next month or not. Let's see. Uh, I mean, optimism. Uh, I want to continue this theme because I read every single training camp report I could from some of those opening full speed practices and man every rookie is the best player of all time uh, it's great I yeah. love it man and people are getting pumped up but, but I want to I want to caution everybody out there who's reading these glowing reports about their own team every team's reports look like that like everybody is amazing right now yeah and I'm sure a lot of it's just human nature that teams coaches beat writers are just happy and have this same enthusiasm that you and I do in this show that I don't care what I see. It's good. You know, like I'm going to, my, my buddy Dale, that I do the Steelers show with, he'll be at Heinz field Monday and this week. And I'm sure he's going to come back saying it was just great to watch practice again. I haven't seen practice since, you know, they got eliminated, you know, so I'm sure there'll be some optimism. That's probably a little overblown just because you haven't watched many practices lately, but I'm cool with it. I mean, just considering all we've overcome to get this far, that's fine by me. And they're still not hitting each other quite yet. So a lot of those initial reports, they're you know you're playing against air, so guys get a free release and a free run at it, and, and running backs can dance around and not get hit and take every handoff to the house if they want to. So uh, yeah, you have to calm your expectations there. But there are a few 
comments that stood out. And we, we talked last week a little bit about some highlight clips we saw of Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, the, the rookie wide receivers for the Raiders. And we've talked a lot about how rookie wide receivers this year would seem to be the, one of the most difficult positions for guys to come in and be ready to play early. But uh, we're getting glowing reports there. Uh, Kyle Shanahan had great reports to say about Brandon Ayuk, first round wide receiver, and how he already practices like a pro and said he's further ahead than a lot of rookies would be right now. Uh, Here's one from Kareem Jackson talking about Broncos rookie wide receiver Jerry Judy. This is the big one that stood out to me. This is from Kareem Jackson, a defensive back that's been around the league for a long time, 10 years in the NFL. He said Jerry Judy gets in and out of his breaks better than anyone I've ever seen. He played with in Houston wow. with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he crossed over with Andre Johnson, too, in Houston. Jerry Judy, in and out of his breaks better than anyone he's ever seen. The guy, the comparable to Judy to me is Odell. And maybe Odell's a little faster, a little more explosive. But even the top corners always said that about Odell whenever he came into the league. You know, that he... Moves, moves his body differently than others, explodes out of breaks and sinks his hips. And I think Judy has a lot of those qualities and should kind of strive to be used like Odell, who I think is in for a, a bounce back season too. Um, and I think a guy who I haven't mentioned much with Denver is I went back and watched some Cortland Sutton lately. I think he's a star. He's better than I thought. I mean, that could be a great pairing for a lot of years. Yeah, that's a heck of a one-two tandem there. Uh, if Judy is as good as advertised. I did see some video of Odell as well, making a nice one-handed catch, as he does every training camp on the sideline. Yeah, it's the feet. It's the acceleration, the deceleration from those two guys. I think I like that comparison. I yeah, it. very similar, and they're, and that's a rarity. I don't throw that around lightly. All right, Matt, let's get into your linebacker rankings. You've got them listed from 25 to 1, the best linebackers in the NFL in 2020. Coming up. Oh, and Matt, I know we teased some podcast news. We're going to tease the tease one more day. Tuesday, we will have an official announcement about uh, this podcast and other podcasts. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, big news coming up and uh, a little call to action for the listeners out there as well. We'll get to that tomorrow. You know, just things in the works. You'll understand when you hear it. So it's on a need to know basis and you need to know on Tuesday. (laughs) All right. Off ball linebacker rankings. These aren't edge players. These aren't hybrid stand up three, four outside linebackers, right? These are pure off ball linebackers. Yes. And I want to be very clear about that. That doesn't mean some of these guys won't walk down on the line of scrimmage or even have some safety like responsibilities. Obviously positionless football on defense is becoming a thing. But please don't at me and say, why isn't Khalil Mack on this list? Why isn't Vaughn Miller or TJ Watt? They're called linebackers by their team. Well, they don't back the line. They, they play on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It's made me crazy. You know, Steelers have been a 3-4 team my whole life, basically. And those guys, Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green, aren't linebackers. They don't back the line. Yeah, there's been a um, a very strong argument recently, and and I'm on board with it. Like edge is its own position. There's interior defensive linemen. Yep. There's linebackers. Then there's edge. It's a completely different thing. And defensive ends and stand up outside linebackers in a three four, they're the same position. They're edge players. Right. I don't care if you have you know a two point stance, a three point stance. You're on the edge. Your job is to contain and rush from the outside. Whether you're Aaron Donald or a nose tackle, you're an interior defensive lineman, or if you're DeForest Buckner, who doesn't look like either, 
Most of the time, a high percentage of time, you line up inside the offensive tackles. That means interior. You line up outside the offensive tackles, your edge. You line up off the ball. You back the line, your linebacker. So those are the three, I think, are the best way to de- decipher front seven people now. You know, like, it used to make me crazy, too. Like, Levante David's an outside linebacker in a 4-3, and Vaughn Miller's an outside linebacker in a, in a 3-4. They're nothing at all alike. Oh, they couldn't be more different. They're, they're completely right. different positions, completely different types of players. Um, 25 linebackers. I imagine it was not as difficult with linebackers as it was with, with some other positions that go maybe a little bit deeper with some, some really high-end talent. Yeah, this one reminded me of running back a little bit in that when I got to... 20s I didn't have great players on the list you know like when I did safeties I'm like man there's more good ones than I thought how can I leave this guy off where this one was like running backs where the Tevin Coleman's Marlon Max made my list and I don't consider them great players and that's kind of how these couple linebackers are too but uh, there is a nice influx of young ones coming in the league that I that are have you know I probably have higher than I should because the linebacker status around the league to me is not overwhelming. And I think the arrow is pointing up with some of these first and second year guys. And again, no rookies count. And you have to project a little bit. So, uh, a little and, bit, and yeah. the one thing I look at this list and I'll see a lot of guys that I'm like, Oh God, I can't believe you left this guy off the list, but let's look at mm-hmm. this uh, 25 through 20. The first five on the list here, if we're counting up from 25 to number one best linebacker in the league, and uh, this is an interesting group already. Broderick McKinney of the Houston Texans is number 25. Number 24, Joe Schobert uh, in Jacksonville now. Matt Milano, Buffalo Bills linebacker at 23. C.J. Mosley, New York Jets, 22. 21, Devin White, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And number 20, Roquan Smith, Chicago Bears. So we've got high first round draft picks in this mix and a couple of tryhard players that have uh, built themselves a nice NFL career. Uh, I mean, a really wide range of players here in these five. Yeah. And let's actually take it to six because Devin Bush is 19. And the only reason I do that is Devin White at 21, Roquan at 20, Bush at 19. They're all the same tier. I mean, I have super high hopes for all three. Um, this is a recognition, read and react type position. Early in their career, these guys have taken false steps. They've bid on play action, jet motion. You know, they're, they're works in progress and coverage. But I'll take any one of them to build my linebacking core around. I like their their upside going forward. And you're right. The, the first three, McKinney, I mean, he's really a 1980s throwback, downhill thumper. Schobert is a good player, and the Jags just gave him a lot of money despite having a lot of need. So let's not discredit what he brings to the table. And Milano, he gets overshadowed by Edmonds, and he, you know he's not a high pedigree guy, but he has made the most of what he has. Much better in coverage than people realize. High quality player, you know, with Milano and Edmonds, who we'll get to um, on the field. They can play a lot of nickel, even on base downs. And then I had no clue where to put C.J. Mosley. I mean, C.J., they gave him a fortune. He gets hurt. They get nothing out of him. Then he opts out. But I had to put him on the list. I mean, he's still a good football player, right? Yeah, and he was hurt last year. So, I mean, last time we saw him playing well for a different football team, I think it would be much higher on this list. But I agree. Like, where do you put C.J. Mosley right now? I got to drop him. I mean, I had to. Devin White, Roquan Smith, Devin Bush, all in a row there. You have Bush above Smith above White. 
What was the separator there for you? Is that how you see their careers going forward? Or is Roquan Smith just played an extra you know, bit of time, so he's ahead of Devin White, but you expect Devin White at some point to blow by Roquan Smith? And, and Roquan Smith, while he shows, and you, you said it well here, his best football should absolutely be ahead of him. I think some Bears fans are pretty disappointed about how high he's selected and, and, and what he's done so far in the NFL. Yeah, that's hard to decipher those three because they all probably have equal amounts of ability. I mean, Bush is a little on the short side, but I think Bush's tape of the three thus far has been the best and the most consistent. So I easily put him first for where they are right now. Um, You mentioned Roquan having an extra year on these guys. I actually kind of held that against them because I kind of feel like White a year from now, Bush a year from now might have better tape over two years than what Roquan has showed us. So White versus Smith was tough for me. I just thought White began his career swimming and got better as the season went on. Um, I do think all the best football is ahead of these guys, but I wish Smith was a little further. K.J. Wright comes in at number 18 of the Seattle Seahawks. Dante Hightower also opting out with the New England Patriots at 17. Jamie Collins, former Patriot, current Detroit Lion at 16. And Kyle Vanoy, former Patriot, current Miami Dolphin at 15. Yeah, I mean, different style players there, but I think we know what we have. K.J. Wright's just been a rock of consistency, you know, since Legion of Boom. Can line up over tight ends, unheralded player, still playing well. Um, I know they drafted a linebacker high and brought in Adams. I mean, so maybe the writing's on the wall that he's, you know, he's on the back nine, but I still like what he brings to the table. Um, Hightower's another very strange player in that he is big, rushes the passer, big physical Patriot style, but he opted out too. I mean, I at least saw him last year, though. I at least know what he brings lately. Collins has had a very up and down career. And when he came out, I actually thought he'd be like a 3-4 edge rusher type guy. And he's proven to kind of be one of the few that might be able to do all the above. I mean, he's got some freaky talent, but he's also, I've seen enough of him to realize that he probably will never be the most consistent player in the league either. That there's some up and down with him. Where Van Noy, he's your modern day Ninkovich, Vrabel, you know, I mean, consistent, whatever you want me to do, coach, I'm going to knock it out. I'll play man coverage. I'll blitz. I'll play the run. And Miami brings him in to establish that Patriots culture and, you know, firm up that position for the short term in that defense. I like looking at your list, Matt, because you don't have them in tiers and try to figure out where I think the tiers should be. And I think there's those young guys we talked about at uh, 19, 20, 21, White, Smith, and and Devin Bush. And I think there's an obvious tier here from the names we just mentioned. And I I would add the next two guys as well. So you have Corey Littleton at 13, Jayon Brown of the Titans at 14, Kyle Van Oy 15, Jamie Collins 16, Dante Howard 17, uh, and KJ Wright 18. I feel like that's a a tier and then it jumps in the top 12. It's funny because I haven't really looked at these since I turned them in a couple days ago and they are more tiered and bunched up than I thought, you know, like those four guys we just kind of broke down are veterans. I know who they are. The three before them were the upside rookie second year early pick guys. And then you kind of look at Jayon Brown and Corey Littleton and people might be saying, who the heck are they, <laughs> you know, but they're really good run and hit type linebackers that, do an awful lot are great in today's passing game. So 
Uh, I'm cool with them. Oh, yeah. Littleton's really good. I've been impressed watching him very closely in the NFC West, and there's a reason he got a nice chunk of change from the Las Vegas Raiders this offseason, and uh, I have no problem with him ranked as high as 13 here. No, I I, I think he's going to help the Raiders dramatically. Okay, Matt Williamson's top 12 linebackers in the NFL. At number 12, Matt, you have Fred Warner of the San Francisco 49ers. You already know I'm going to say he's too low on this list. I had Ben Solak, who does Locked On NFL Draft with Trevor Sikma, join me on Locked On 49ers to break down Warner. He said Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL. And I don't know if I'm going to put him at number one. Definitely have him in the top 10. It's funny because I mentioned I hadn't looked at this list since I turned it in. And it's always the case with lists and power ranks. When you come back with fresh eyes, you probably would make a change. And if I looked at a week from now, even though I haven't seen any more football, I'd make another change. And he's the one, and it just happened to be a niner. I said when we opened the show, like, I bet I catch heat for Warner at 12. <laughs> and I probably should have him a little higher. And these next three or four names are probably in the same tier for me with him. I like them a lot, but maybe he should be nine instead of 12 for me. I'd with be potential to be top couple. I'd be willing to bet when we check in on this list next time, Fred Warner and the next guy, Tremaine Edmonds with the Buffalo Bills, who's at number 11, who's just a freak of nature. Uh, I, they could both be top five very easily. And, and in fact, I kind of expect it. Edmonds is kind of my favorite. I mean, I can't say that he is a top five player now, but if I had to put a bet on anyone here three years from now to be number one, it would be him. I mean, to me, I mentioned how Jamie Collins is kind of freaky. Edmonds is much freakier, younger, came in the league is like without a driver's license. I mean, he's so young and he can do it all. And he's just scratching the surface. Like, I would buy immense amounts of stock of Tremaine Edmonds right now if I could. Absolutely. I would as well. Uh, a name that a lot of people might be surprised is this high on your list is Denver Broncos linebacker Alexander Johnson. Yeah, and I didn't know much about him either. Um, I, I understand he had some off-the-field concerns, but he he looks like a big high-tower thumper between the tackles old-school guy. But he's a really good athlete, did really well against the pass as well for Denver. And, you know, going back to Roquan, Vic Fangio really values those every down linebackers. I mean, you saw it like with Willis and Bowman and those type of guys in that system. I mean, they want every down guys and they will pay for them. Well, they just lucked into one with him. The second Houston Texans linebacker on the list, Zach Cunningham coming in at number nine. I like him too, but I probably should have Warner and Cunningham flipped. And he's fine. He's very angular, long, taller than some of these guys. A little bit more narrow-waisted, but does a nice job against tight ends and coverage. More of a finesse guy, but he's also getting a lot better against the run, where I thought he used to struggle. Leighton Van Der Esch of the Dallas Cowboys, and actually back-to-back Cowboys here, Leighton Van Der Esch at number eight, Jalen Smith at number seven. What gave Smith the edge? He had a better year, and Van Der Esch had a somewhat of a down year, was not very healthy from start to finish. I think if I were picking who do I want from this point on, I would take Van Der Esch. He's got the size. Um, I know everyone talks about Smith and him recovering from that awful injury, and it's an amazing story, and I give the Cowboys all the credit in the world for taking him as high as they did and being patient. But I still think he's a lot more 
straight line-ish than he is great in changing directions and probably always will be. They're both great. I mean, it's an awesome pairing. And we talked a lot about the Dallas front, you know, defensive line before, uh, you know, after signing uh, Griffin. So I think their front seven's loaded. And I expect both those guys to be high-end guys for a while. It's a very good group here at the top. And when you when you see a guy back on the list where, you know, Terrain Edwins or Fred Warner or even Dante Hightower, you know, whatever linebacker you think, oh, that's probably a top five linebacker in the league. And you start to look at the top five and it's like, it's not that easy to break into this group, even though I think some of them will very soon you have Deion Jones coming in at number six with the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, there's some elite linebackers here at the top still in the NFL. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, or I'm in the neighborhood, at least a couple of years ago, Deion Jones and Luke Keekley like broke the pro football focus coverage, you know, grade metric for the linebackers. Cause they were so good at it and he's had some injuries and whatnot, but I think he's back elite coverage player, exactly what that system needs. Um, they, you know, they're a Seattle based team that plays a lot of linebackers on the field and him playing so well in the second half of the season was a big reason Atlanta's defense turned around last year too. Levante David. I mean, I, I love that he's in Tampa too, cause he's that perfect Tampa two style linebacker. Uh, you know, that weak side linebacker. I love Levante David, love watching him play. He comes in at number five for you. One of my most underrated players of this generation, like, Bobby Wagner used to be the most underrated linebacker behind Keekley, and now people start to understand Wagner, whose name's going to come. David's been on bad teams, bad defenses, but he's been right behind those guys every step of the way. Um, not Derek Brooks, but, I mean, that he plays that position here, and I think that defense has a chance to be pretty good this year. Demario Davis of the New Orleans Saints at number four. I think there's so many good players on the Saints that Demario Davis kind of flies under the radar a little bit for how good he is. Yeah, and it took him a while. I mean, the beginning of his career, he bounced around a little bit. People forget he was even a Brown for a while. But the last couple of years, he's been awesome. And he's up in age, but he does everything well. Very powerful, covers a lot of ground. Um, people might be kind of rolling their eyes saying, he's not number four. I, I think he's number four. I mean, I really think he's a great one. Most people would have these three linebackers as their consensus in some order. I don't know if they would be in this order. I find this order interesting. Uh, and by the way, before we get to the top three, where would Luke Keekley, if he didn't retire, be on here? Would he still be number one? Probably. I mean, I, I think Keekley's the best since Ray Lewis, and I don't think he dipped all that much. That Remember how bad, though, the Panthers' D was at the end of last year, yeah. though? I mean, especially against the run. I would have to go back and study him a little more because obviously he had to be part of that. But I just wonder if it was just bad mojo and that ship had sailed and everyone knew the coaches were getting fired. I don't know. I'd probably stick him at one, though. I mean, I think he's an all-time great. Too. Yeah, and, like, and I wonder if he sensed it and he thought, and right. Patrick Willis did the same thing, retire retire a year too early rather than a year too late. And Patrick Willis always talked about how he used to wow people with his speed, and he didn't want to leave that lasting image of him not wowing people anymore when he walked away. And I wonder if Luke Keekley wanted to just kind of go out on top. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a possibility. Bobby Wagner, then, the guy who's... I'm sorry, and that, yeah. that franchise is going through a right. massive change. Yeah, too. and again, that was happening in San Francisco, too. So yeah, the grind of being a linebacker and, and running into a brick wall a thousand times a day, uh, you mm -hmm. have to really want to do that. <laughs> and so linebackers uh, do take a pounding in the NFL. Uh, Bobby Wagner, the guy who, along with Luke Keekley, has long been considered the top two linebackers in the league. He comes in at number three for you. Yeah, still great. I mean, could easily be number one. 
Um, I would say he's dipped a very little bit. I think he's a Hall of Famer. And I know that kind of people are like, what are you talking about? That seems a little a little uh, rich for me. And I think he's a Hall of Famer. Darius Leonard burst on the scene a couple years ago as a rookie for the Indianapolis Colts. He's all the way up at number two for you right here. Yeah, long arm guy, covers a lot of space, good versus run, good versus pass. Could make a very strong case that he belongs at number one. We'll get to my number one here. I'm not sold that, you know, 100% all in that that Eric Hendricks, who I have at number one, is the is by far the best player in the league. But both these guys, I had a really hard time finding true weaknesses to. Eric Kendricks, the number one linebacker in the league, according to Matt Williamson of the Minnesota Vikings. He's so instinctive. I love the way he plays. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Jamal Adams, the way he plays safety, where yeah. you see him moving when other players aren't moving yet. He knows where the play is going. He will jump routes underneath. He's just so instinctive. and He knows what's happening before it happens. Yeah, and again, I... Part of this was I wanted to give him credit because I don't think he gets enough credit, and that's how I maybe um, you know decided a tiebreaker between these top three. But, boy, I mean, I don't think people realize how important he is. And some of these linebackers, almost all of them near the top of my list, they just do everything well. You know, like the safety list, some of them are really good deep center fielders, but you can't put them in the box. You know, Leonard, Kendricks, Davis, Wagner, these guys, you could just do whatever you want with them. Mm-hmm. Zone, man, run, you know, athletic ability, and they excel. That is Matt Williamson's ranking of the top 25 linebackers in the NFL heading into 2020. Love the list. Don't like it. You want to yell at Matt? Find him on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. You can find me at BD Peacock, and we'll be back tomorrow with some big podcast news and no doubt more reports from training camps as the pads go on this week right here, Locked on NFL.